slides it out for Ekblad. Back to Hoffman, blocked by Polak and Rice! Another spectacular stop! Broussard tees it up and a save is made by Bobrovsky. Nelson, Marcel with the open net and he scores! Hi, and welcome to the Locked On Islanders podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Gil Martin. I'm an Islanders columnist and historian, and I wrote the book Ice Wars, which covers the complete history of the Islanders' rivalry with the Rangers from 1972 to the modern era. All right, so much to talk about here on the Locked On Islanders podcast as we Head into the busy holiday weekend and uh, very happy to wish everyone a happy Thanksgiving and uh, hope everyone enjoys their turkey and all the trimmings and gets to spend time with friends and family. And of course, hopefully we all enjoy a little hockey over the course of this wonderful four-day weekend and the Islanders will be busy and will be there every step of the way. We will preview tonight's game at the Staples Center against the Los Angeles Kings, plus Saturday's game uh, back home against the Columbus Blue Jackets. We'll talk a little bit about what makes Barry Trotz such a good coach, and there is a lot to talk about uh, in that department. We'll have this date in Islanders history, and we'll talk a little bit about some things that Islander fans have to be thankful for this year in particular. So, Plenty to talk about here on the Locked On Islanders podcast. Let's start by talking about the poor performance that the Islanders had uh, the other night when the streak came to an end in Anaheim. And look, maybe this team was a little bit tired, but for whatever reason, they didn't have their legs under them in Anaheim. They did not play their best hockey. And that is sort of the second game in a row where they really had a subpar performance. They didn't play particularly well in San Jose, ended up, you know, earning a point, but not earning the win. So a little bit of a struggle after a very strong, uh, you know, 17-game point streak, the 15-0-2, now 0-1-1 in their last two uh, after the poor performance. But here's the thing. And I got to give Barry Trotz credit. And and this is what great coaches do. Trotz basically said, hey, now that the streak is over, nobody's going to rest on their laurels. He, he basically said, you know, we didn't play well and changes are going to be coming. And that's a good thing. The team will not be allowed to get complacent. And as long as the streak was going on, You had the feeling that Barry Trotz was going to more or less, more or less, leave things alone. But now that the streak is over, a couple of bad, or not terrible, but, you know, subpar performances by his team, I guarantee you, we're going to see some lineup changes, and we're going to see some line changes. In fact, we saw a lot of line juggling uh, late in the game against Anaheim. Uh, Certainly, you know, Josh Bailey was moving up and down that lineup, uh, skated with a bunch of different line mates during the course of that third period. And look, you can't blame Trotz. This team wasn't getting to the net, wasn't paying the price, wasn't going to the dirty areas. And, you know, in the past, 
Coaches that accept that kind of performance don't improve their teams. And, you know, a lot of the time, teams that are not very well coached or teams that are just not very talented, they're going to, you know, follow a win streak, whether it's, you know, three games, five games, whatever, with a losing streak. You know, they'll go 5-0-1 and and then they'll go 0-3-1 and in their next four games. And Barry Trotz, a two-time, you know, Jack Adams award winner, a Stanley Cup winner as a coach, he's not going to let that happen. And as soon as they lost that game, he called out his team. It was obvious that, you know, not everybody was giving their all or at least playing their best against Anaheim and San Jose. And nobody's job is secure when that happens. When the team isn't performing well, changes are going to be coming. And you see a no-nonsense approach by Barry Trotz. And I really think that is, in the long run, a very good thing for the New York Islanders. They have got to make sure that they don't read their press clippings, don't rest on their laurels, don't sit back and say, hey, you know, we've got this. Uh, Look at what we just did. 17 games without a loss, 44 days in between regulation losses. Uh, You know, that's in the past. And just as quickly as you put together one of those streaks, you could end up on the wrong side of it if you're not giving your all, if you're not careful. And immediately after last night's game, we see Barry Trotz putting his foot down and making it clear that, you know, that kind of play is not going to be tolerated on his team. Players have to be accountable. And again, some changes coming to this lineup. And I think that is a very good thing for this franchise. The reason for all of that, if you think about it. Look, the way this Islander team plays, they are a defense-first team, and any Barry Trotz coached team is going to play that style of hockey. And right now, the Islanders remain first in the league in goals against, having allowed only 54 goals over the course of 22 games. And that's great, but here's the thing. When you are playing this style of hockey... You sacrifice some offense, no question about that, and you also don't have a large margin for error. The Islanders are going to win a lot of games 2-1, 3-2. They are not going to blow a lot of people out, and because they are 22nd in the league in goals scored, you know, here is a team that is 12 games over NHL 500, and yet their goal differential is 12. So, you know, not a lot of margin for error if you're the New York Islanders. And that's why Barry Trotz calling out his players, making lineup changes, keeping the players on their toes and accountable is a recipe for success. As soon as these players become complacent, you know that this team is going to be in trouble. And that thin margin for error, you know, all of a sudden, instead of winning 2-1, to you could be losing 2-1. to And the actions of Barry Trotz designed to prevent that from happening. And it's a very, very smart move by Trotz. And again, why he is considered one of the best coaches in the game today. All right, treat yourself to the meal you deserve and have your favorite restaurants come to you with DoorDash. 
Right now, our listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the promo code LOCKEDON. Listening on the go? If you can't visit DoorDash right now, you can find this and all other offers from Locked On sponsors at LockedOnPodcast.com backslash offers. All right, so tonight the Islanders are back in action. They wrap up their three-game California road trip with a game at the Staples Center in Los Angeles against the Kings. The Kings struggling right now, not off to a very strong start. They are dead last in the Pacific Division, 9-13-2. That's 20 points in 24 games for the LA Islanders should have a pretty good chance to win. Last game for the LA Kings, they lost in overtime to the San Jose Sharks by a score of 4-3. That game played on Monday evening. In fact, it was being played while the Islanders were in Anaheim. You look at this LA team statistically, First of all, there are still some names left over from the team's Stanley Cup winning clubs. You still have Anze Kopitar, Drew Doughty, Tyler Toffoli, Jeff Carter, Dustin Brown, uh, plenty of names, Jonathan Quick, who you're familiar with if you're a hockey fan, but right now, this team does not have the depth uh, and the overall talent level that those Stanley Cup winning teams had. Uh, Another name that is obviously very familiar, Ilya Kovalchuk, now a member of the LA Kings. And LA, right now, big problems on special teams. And their power play ranked 29th in the league, an 11.4% success rate. Their penalty kill ranked 29th in the league, a 72.7% success rate. And, you know, you look at this team through and through, off so great. 28th in the league with 63 goals scored. Defensively, not much better. 26th in the league, 83 goals scored. This is a game that the Islanders should be able to and bring their A game. The goaltenders, we mentioned Jonathan Quick in 15 starts this year. Quick, six wins, nine losses, a very mediocre 3.47 goals against average and a not-so-wonderful 881 save percentage. Very subpar numbers for Quick, and a lot of it, you know, he struggled with some injuries, number one, and number two, the team in front of him just isn't that strong defensively, and that is a major difference from those winning teams of just a few years ago. The backup goalie who's getting about one-third of the starts, Jack Campbell, he's 3-4 with a 3.09 goals against average and an 8.86 save percentage. Neither one of these goalies has a shutout just yet. The Leading scorer by far on this team, Kopitar, 10 goals and 16 assists for 26 points. No other forward on the team has even half as much. Drew Doughty remains an offensive force and their top producer on the power play. He quarterbacks that power play. He and Kopitar, uh, the, the top power play scorers. 
Gowdy on the season, five goals, 12 assists to to be second on the team in assists and 17 points. And then again, you know, you've got a lot of guys who just aren't living up to their billing. The top line, Kopitar centering for Alex Ayafalo and Dustin Brown. Jeff Carter centers the second line with Cole Gunstrom and Tyler Toffoli on his wings. So those are the top six forwards. Defensively, Sean Walker joins, joins Drew Doughty on the top pair with Ben Hutton and Alec Martinez, another holdover from those cup-winning teams, uh, con, uh, consisting of the second pairing on defense. So the Islanders should be able to have a little bit more room to move the puck against this L.A. team that doesn't play very strong defense, and they should be able to limit the Kings offensively if they can contain Doughty and Kopitar and definitely look for Trotz to try to find ways to do that. Assuming the Islanders continue with the goaltending rotation, Simeon Varlamov will be in goal tonight when the Islanders face the Kings and again look for some lineup changes. Uh, Line changes and lineup changes from Barry Trotz tonight should be a very, very entertaining game. Uh, and we are definitely looking forward to this one. And look, the Islanders right now have scored only one goal in their last two games. And one of those games, as you know, went into overtime. So this team is struggling a little bit offensively, not creating scoring chances the way you want them to. And a mediocre defensive team like the Kings is a great opportunity for the Islanders to get well in a hurry. So we'll take a look and see if that's something they're going to be able to do or does this goal-scoring drought extend beyond two games, which really isn't even much of a, of a slump or a pattern just yet. Okay, let's go back on this date in Islanders history. We will take you to... D, uh, to November 27th, 1993, the site, the Nassau Veterans Memorial Coliseum, Rangers and Islanders getting together, and anytime these two rivals meet, it's always an exciting game. The Rangers come into this contest on a 14-game unbeaten streak, a 12-0-2 mark. The Islanders, meanwhile, had won their last uh, four games or were unbeaten, rather, in their last four games. And the Islanders had were 11-0-3 against the Rangers at the Coliseum coming into this game, a streak that dated back to 1989. Now, remember, this is the season that the Rangers ended up ending that long Stanley Cup drought. And so, you know, intensity high. The first-place Rangers coming to the old barn and just to make things a little bit more complicated, this game was being played with replacement referees. And you know, especially going back to the 90s and earlier, anytime the Rangers and the Islanders get together, uh, you know there's going to be a lot of physical hockey. And there was. It didn't take very long. Uh, things got aggressive really quickly. And here's what happens. Very first shift Winger Steve Thomas of the Islanders said, First shift, Messier ran me over like a train. 
He rang my bell pretty good and got me involved in the game. The goaltender for the Islanders, Ron Hextall, Mike Richter started for the Rangers, and Hextall took a swing at Joey Kosher. He missed Kosher, but Joey Kosher takes exception, bumps Hextall, and eight different players get involved in a pretty physical shoving match as the replacement referees tried in vain to take control of the contest. The Islanders did break on top early. Travis Green scoring just a minute 25 into the game to make it 1-0 Islanders. Tony Amante answered for the Rangers at 4.05 with a power play goal, and it was even at 1-1, and then the Islanders get a power play goal of their own just 45 seconds later as Steve Thomas puts in his 12th of the year from Tom Curvers and Pierre Turgeon, and after 20 minutes, it was 2-1 to one in favor of the Islanders. Just 28 seconds into the second period, Benoit Hogue strikes shorthanded his ninth from Pat Flatley, and the Islanders led 3-1. to one. Thomas scores again 251 into the second period from Ray Ferraro and Tom Curvers, and it was 4-1 to one Islanders, uh, and that was enough for... Uh, Mike Keenan, he pulls Mike Richter, and then the Rangers start to mount a comeback. Joey Kosher scores his first goal of the year midway through the period at 9.52, and then three minutes later, Greg Gilbert, the ex-Islander, gets his first of the year from Alexei Kovalov and Sergei Nemchinov, and suddenly it's a 4-3 hockey game with Glenn Healy now in goal, the ex-Islander in goal for the Rangers. But the Islanders managed to get back into it. Steve Thomas on the power play with 4.20 left in the second period. He gets the hat trick with his 14th goal of the year unassisted. And the Islanders again had a two-goal lead. Derek King extends that lead in the third period with just two minutes and 17 seconds left. His 10th from Turgeon and Marty McGinnis. And then the Rangers close out the scoring with a minute 15 left in regulation. Brian Leach, his eighth from Mark Messier and Alexander Karpatsev. Final score at the Coliseum, the Islanders six, the Rangers four. The Rangers' winless streak at the Coliseum continued while their 14-game unbeaten streak coming into this game ended all of this happening this date in Islanders history, November 27th, 1993. We've got a lot more to get to. We'll talk about some things that Islander fans have to be thankful for, and we'll preview Saturday's game at home against Columbus right after this. All right, let's talk about some things that Islander fans have to be thankful for, and and let's, in the spirit of Thanksgiving, which is by far my favorite holiday of the year. Let's start with this point streak, 15-0-2 in 17 games, and suddenly the New York Islanders prove that they are contenders once again in a strong, solid position in second place right now in the Metropolitan Division, setting a new record. You got to be thankful for Barry Trotz, and Lou Lamorello, the greatest duo that the Islanders have had as general manager and coach since the late Bill Torrey and the late Al Arbor during the glory years. Look, in Trotz, you've got a Stanley Cup winning coach who has twice won the Jack Adams Trophy as 
NHL Coach of the Year, and in Lou Lamorello, a general manager who led the Devils to three Stanley Cup titles and is already in the Hockey Hall of Fame for his accomplishments in the front office. Islander fans also have to be thankful for four straight Stanley Cups and the dynasty years that included a period of about 10 seasons from 1975 until 1985 when the Islanders really were probably the best franchise in hockey over that 10-year period. And also they have to be thankful for the fact that a lot of the alumni from that team, you could still find them on Long Island, whether it's Bobby Nystrom or Clark Gillies. You know, they're still at a lot of Islander games. They still do charity work around Long Island. And they're still, you know, living here and involved here. And that's a great thing for this organization and the fans. Definitely Islander fans can be thankful for the tailgating tradition that exists at the Nassau Coliseum. It's something that's been going on for many, many years. And it's great to see it being revived as the Islanders play more than half of their home schedule now at the renovated old barn. Certainly, also Islander fans have to be thankful for the fact that the team stayed in New York, despite the fact that the Coliseum, you know, needed to be repaired and they had to leave it initially. So the fact that the Islanders did not become the Quebec City Islanders or the Kansas City Islanders or any other place is certainly something that Islander fans have to be thankful for. And they have to be thankful for their new arena coming in Belmont in just a few years. It should be a state-of-the-art new home designed for hockey and a lot more convenient for Islander fans to get to than the arena right now in Brooklyn. Certainly, the Islanders have to be thankful for their Hall of Fame players like Mike Bossy, Brian Trottier, Billy Smith, Dennis Potvin, Clark Gillies, Pat LaFontaine, you know, these are guys who are all-time greats in the sport of hockey, and fans of the Islanders got to see them play in their primes for many, many years. And we'll close off this list of things Islander fans have to be thankful for by talking about some of the rivalries that the Islanders have, whether it's with the Penguins or the Flyers or the Capitals, or most certainly with the Rangers, who are unquestionably the Islanders' biggest and most intense rivalry, having those rivalries in place really enriches the game of hockey for fans of all those teams, and it's a great thing that Islander fans have to be thankful for. Yeah, we don't like those other teams, but we kind of respect them most of the time anyway, and uh, it's something that really adds to the experience of being an Islanders fan. If you have something you want to add to the list, feel free to send me an email. And if there's anything you want to talk about, uh, about the Islanders, questions, comments, ideas of subjects we can discuss, the email address, lockedonislanders at gmail.com. Just leave your name and where you're from, and we'll happily read it on the air. You could follow the show on Twitter, at LockedOnIsles, and you could follow me, Gil Martin, on Twitter, at Ice Wars, N-Y-R-V-S-N-Y-I, uh, and I'll keep you updated on what's going on with the show and what's going on with the New York Islanders. All right, because of the holiday, we're going to take a few days off. We'll be back Monday, so we're going to take some time and preview Saturday's game 
at home against Columbus. Now, the Blue Jackets, a lot of changes this offseason. Certainly the biggest one, losing goaltender Sergei Bobrovsky. They came into action uh, Wednesday night. Now, this program recorded before their Wednesday night game at home against Philadelphia. But they are 10-9-4, 24 points heading into that game. Uh, and that is good for 7th place in the Metropolitan Division. Uh, tying them really with the Rangers, although the Rangers have one more win than the Blue Jackets do. With Bobrovsky's departure, Eunice Corposalo has taken over the goaltending duties in 18 starts. He's 10-7 with a 2.86 goals against average, a 9.02 save percentage, and one shutout on the season. His backup is Elvis Merzlikens, he is 0-2 in five starts with a 3-5-4 goals against average and 8-9-0 save percentage, but Corpusalo getting by far the bulk of the work. Pierre-Luc Dubois right now leading Columbus with 10 goals and 17 points. Zach Wierenski second on the team with 15 points and with six goals. Also with six goals, Oliver Bjorkstrand, uh, he has 13 points in 23 games. Some other familiar names, Gustav Nyquist, Cam Atkinson, Boone Jenner, Seth Jones. So uh, some talent here, but not the same kind of team uh, as far as depth is concerned that they had uh, a year ago in John Tortorella's club, you know, struggling a little bit this season. The top line we mentioned Pierre-Luc Dubois, he's the center. Sonny Milano and Emil Bemstrom uh, are the wingers. Alexander Texier is the center of the second line with Nick Foligno and Cam Atkinson uh, flanking him. On defense, it's Zach Wierenski and Seth Jones as the top pairing, and I've always been a big Seth Jones fan. Ryan Murray and David Savard make up the second pair. You look now at the numbers statistically for the Blue Jackets and you know they are having trouble scoring goals they are 29th so second to last or third to last in the NHL with 59 goals scored middle of the pack in goals against and the power play 13th in the league penalty killing 19th so you know here's a team that special teams a little bit above average on the power play a little bit below on the penalty kill, but uh, the big problem for them, realistically, has been scoring goals. The Islanders hoping to shut them down with their strong defensive game, and it looks like, again, if they stick with the goalie rotation, Tomas Grice will be the goaltender on Saturday at home against the Blue Jackets. That's going to do it for us here on Locked On Islanders. Enjoy the Thanksgiving holiday, Black Friday, and the rest of the Thanksgiving weekend. We will be back Monday with a new show reviewing both of these two games against the Kings and the Blue Jackets. We'll have this date in Islanders history. We'll have the latest news and notes, and we'll keep you up to date on Twitter over the entire weekend. I'm Gil Martin. Thanks so much for listening to the Locked On Islanders podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.